Hello, this is Jess, and I am with Ben, and we are Running for the Crown podcast. We are two distance running coaches who love to talk about all things running. Today, we're going to talk about a mixture of topics. Uh, We just got done running a half marathon in Greenville, South Carolina, so races are going on. Um, We've actually had a pretty successful streak since probably july even of races that have happened we had a very bad streak early on but i think about every race was canceling uh, back in may but since then we've found april may yeah a lot of really good races that have taken place and so we just wanted to offer some tips you know if you're not comfortable uh, racing yet that's fine um but there's going to be more and more races going on and we just want to give everybody the information that way also this last race was an interesting one in that Jess really didn't train like she usually did, um, definitely not to the volume and somewhat the intensity, mainly yeah. coming from the volume, but and she had to use some cross training due to a plantar um, fasciitis uh, niggle, we'll call it. Um, I don't know if it's a full-fledged injury, so I just want to make that note first is, you know, we don't necessarily want to be training on injuries, but if there's a niggle, this is a way to kind of get around it and uh, still get a race in, and now that we're a week out, she's actually feeling uh, pretty much, what would you say, 100% or... Like 98% or something? Yeah, and it's still early on, so we know that we have to be very, very careful but so far so good yeah so Jess can you tell us a little bit about you know how this uh, plantar fasciitis kind of um, started for you yeah it was like seven weeks ago I think which is a long time but um it was just all of a sudden on one run I mean I felt great the day before and then the next day my foot hurt and I ran the whole run and I shouldn't have because it hurt pretty much immediately and didn't go away And so I should have bagged it, but I didn't. So then I end up with a situation where it's like, okay, this is an inflamed tissue. And so I rested, I think, completely off of running for about a week. Um, Was that the really long run that you did? Yeah. Was it like you were trying to do 18 miles or something? Yeah, and then I called it at 15. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, background knowledge on this, um, she was kind of ramping up her mileage and... In my mind, I thought that you kind of jumped into it pretty fast. Um, and it was hilly. You're doing like yeah. hilly work within that. And you, week. yeah, you had added hills to other runs. And then you were adding speed. And then you really wanted to do like a marathon pace um, yeah. run over hills because you left from our house. And really, every which way is hills. Very and hilly. then you ran mm-hmm. to downtown. And I remember I, stopped by driving um because on the app i can see where you're at and everything mm-hmm. and it blew the kid's mind that oh i said hey, here around the corner just is gonna uh, come out and there you were and they're like well, how did you know that <laughs> but um yeah so that's kind of the background on this i mean it's not i don't think it was unusual to see this coming on maybe but can you go ahead and kind of explain yeah so This is the big plug for coaching because at this point, that's when I'm like, okay, Ben, you are going to, I'm going to give you all of the reins on my training because when I start to feel really good and really fit, then I start to feel that I'm invincible and I want to do more and more and more. And then, then, and then something like this happens. And so I think from 
like if I were coaching myself at that point, or like if I were coaching someone else, let's just say, there's no way that I would ever recommend them do what I did. But because I was feeling good and I'm, you know, emotionally invested in it, then it's just easy to just do it. But if, um, so I asked Ben just, okay, I want you to coach me and I want you to tell me what to do because he's really good at seeing things, you know, from an outside perspective. And so, um, from then on, like after, right after the flare up, I think I rested it for a week and then I started to add a little bit of running, but then I made sure to follow up the day that I ran with cross training, maybe even for two days of cross training. And then I would do a run and then a couple of days of cross training. I was on the bike, um, on the well, I trainer. Think, uh, I might stop there. Yeah. When I've done this in the past, I like the two days off after the one, because sometimes the Dom starts, yeah. you know, after, uh, yeah. you know, 24 to 48 hours. So Late onset muscle soreness. you may feel okay the next day. And, and this is what I find with your training too. In the past is like, you'll have a really good, like, like what I call a faster, easy day, like an easy day that it felt easy for you, but it's probably faster than what you should be going. Mm -hmm. And then, so then it's like, oh, that felt really good. So then the next day you kind of go back and pound that same pace again. And it's Mm -hmm. like the accumulation of that is where I see then the kind of the niggles start to happen. So, you know, and this is just kind of coming back from something like, obviously you felt this and you knew that you shouldn't and feel it. So you wanted to change that, um, the pattern. So we had you run one day and then I think you took a day off or something and then cross trained the, you know, the next day to give yourself two days in between runs and the runs weren't anything too strenuous, you know, just kind of, um, a light run. Yep. Just to give the tissue a little bit of stress, like the way that the tissues in our body respond or they heal in general is with a little bit of stress. A lot of the times the misconception is that you need to do absolutely nothing for a long time. And, um, and our body really doesn't heal as well that way. But the, the secret to that is to allow it to recover and rebuild because with the stress, um, it needs that time to recover and rebuild and then it'll come back stronger. Well, how many times do you go to like a doctor and they say, Oh, you need rest, you know, you need complete rest. And then you come back and you feel the same injury again. I mean, there's definitely times when you have to take time off or initially to let the, in the initial period to let it calm down, but then give it some challenge. Um, so the way that Ben structured my training is I would, uh, um, have a day where I was deep water running and I would do intervals in the water and I had a little, uh, bungee cord that I attached to the, what is it? The diving block <laughs> i can't remember whatever there at the y, but it's like yeah the yeah diving block there. and um then hooked it to my belt and so i was in one place and had a little added resistance there and i'd do intervals and you know i'd be in there for between 45 and 60 minutes depending on if i had if i got kicked out or if somebody needed that lane but with the water running i mean it's important to do the we did a lot of intervals with that not only does that help to pass the time but also to keep the heart rate up when you're yeah. in the water the water is cooling the body and so you don't get the same you know stimulus if you were just to say do an easy run um in the water and i what i like about the intervals and the belt is that it keeps you semi in one place and what i mean by semi is that you can still put some resistance and move a little bit and so sometimes i'll have just like it may be uh, depending on the resistance but it may be six inches or a foot in front of you and you try to get that you know um in in that interval. Um, it doesn't seem very far, but, uh, 
that is a mental game in and of itself. Yeah, it was a good workout. I mean, I think one of the challenges early on in this cross training uh, journey was that you know, when, in a, when I'm normally, when I'm training as normal and I can measure my volume and intensity and heart rate and the amount of elevation and my speed or pace and all of those things, I have a measurable way to determine how fit I am. And when I'm doing this cross training, you know, there's no way to measure what, how much work I'm doing in the water. And then, I mean, on the bike, I was being able to measure my heart rate. I'd be on the trainer and I could measure my heart rate. And I was seeing that I was getting some good work in there. Um, but it was just very different than I was, I was used to. And I just had to have faith that all of this is still benefiting my fitness. Yeah. The, the water running is very run specific, um, as far as the cross training, you know, almost one of the most, run specific that you can get. Um, what I like about that and say the half marathon or marathon training or really any distance is the mental aspect as, as much as what we're talking about, how great it is for run specific, but the mental, I mean, if you can go and run an hour and a half or an hour in a pool, barely moving at all, and you're going to be able to get into a half marathon and, Mm -hmm and be able to be there mentally. I remember that first run that I did outside after being in the water, I think probably like that whole week prior to, I felt like, oh, wow, this is so easy. There's no like water resistance on my legs. <laughs> it's just amazing the diff- the work that it really makes you do. It's yeah. good. And so then we had you do um, cycling. And the cycling was more like we would do the water running the day before. Um, and as you progressed along, you would actually do maybe like a four mile run and then some mm-hmm. water running, yeah. um, to get kind of a bigger stimulus that way. Yeah. And you did a lot of lifting actually before the, yeah. um, water running as well to get the legs, legs kind of tired. fatigued. Mm-hmm. And then with the cycling, we found a lot of times the cycling would be best after, um, after the running mm-hmm. workouts. And in the beginning too, I make the point we actually used a lot of the cross training as the workouts. So they were, the running would be an easy run, um, you know, just to give yourself some stimulus to the muscles, um, to kind of keep the neuromuscular there. But then the workout would actually be in the cross training. You'd be doing intervals in the pool or with Zwift on the, on the bike bike and and Hills. Um, you actually did a couple of races Mm -hmm. on Zwift and that was good from a uh, competition or competitive aspect to keep yeah. the mind and heart there. Yeah. It's motivating for sure. And then as we progressed, then the workouts shifted toward, or as my foot started to improve, um, the workouts shifted to run days where there a lot of the workouts when it was icy and like 20 below was on the treadmill, but that was actually really good because it was at a point where I haven't been running fast. And so it, the, the putting the treadmill at a certain pace kept me at that pace and gave me a really good workout. And so I would do my, um, I did some tempo runs. I did some 800 repeats mm-hmm. on the treadmill. You kind of work those other systems, um, VO two max threshold. Yeah. And you, you, then you kind of transition the cross training into, um, more of your aerobic, yep. you know, kind of trying Recovery. to get yourself ready for that half marathon to handle the distance yep. uh, of it where the run workouts were now to handle more or less the the pace of it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It felt like at the end, um, like the last couple of weeks leading up to the race, I had a couple of really 
good confidence building workouts, um, a four mile tempo run faster than I've ever done a tempo run. And some, um, was it a thousand meter or 1200 meter workout? But, um, regardless, it was just a couple of good confidence builders where I thought, okay, I think I could probably do this. I did a 10 mile run with a couple marathon or half marathon goal pace miles at the end. Yeah, some of your, I mean, your longest, what was your longest run? My longest run was 10 miles, and I only Mm -hmm. did that, like, two or three times. Like, one was, one or two were, like, within a workout, and then one was just a run with a couple miles at pace at the end. Yeah, and even though we we were working kind of the different systems as well, we tried to do, um, we did strides um, to get the neuromuscular going, but we also tried to work, we thought your half marathon pace would be kind of around maybe 630. So we tried to do a lot of mileage. Um, I guess not a lot of mileage, but you know, at the end of a 10 mile run, maybe the last two miles at Mm -hmm. 630 to just get the body used to, To to that pace. But I mean, I remember the first workout I did on the treadmill, I think it was like one minute on one minute off, like one minute at 630. And that one minute at 6.30 was hard <laughs> that first day. I'm like, oh my goodness, how am I going to run a half marathon at this pace? And then I had to, and then the next one I think was half mile at 6.30. And then the next, and then I did a three mile tempo and then a two by two mile tempo all at, all at the same pace, but just varying the amount of time that I was at that pace and the amount of rest that I would get. And, um, it did, I mean, each time got a little bit easier and a little bit more manageable, but it was still like you know, the total amount of work was four miles and I was hoping to go that pace for 13. So your last PR was at the Dubuque Benefit Classic, which is a fairly hilly course. Um, that, what did you got? 124? 48 or something 48. Like so maybe like a six. Uh, I think it was 617 average pace. Or 27. Six, yeah. Sorry, 27, 28 pace. Mm -hmm. And I mean, for me, looking at it from a coaching perspective, like when you did the workout, I mean, basically you ran (laughs) four miles faster uh, or at your 5K PR, which you set the 5K PR this fall um, or this, the end of the summer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's not like you had a big, like you didn't have a big loss of fitness. I know mentally for you, you had somewhat of a decrease in training, but I knew that you had been there in the past and that half marathon PR was, um, 2019, um, fall of 2019 and you've done races since then. So you're, you're, in the ballpark of it at least, but, mm-hmm. um, to go for a PR, you know, to run the fastest you've ever run over that distance off of training, I think is very impressive. So, I mean, can you tell us what, what it was it like going one into the race? Where were you at mentally with, well, Hey, this is what I'm going to try and accomplish. Um, the, the race was great. I mean, it, it's, there was, I don't know, probably 1200 people there yeah. and you know, weather conditions. several Olympic marathon qualifiers, um, at the, at the front of it. Um, but then there was, there was a lot of people at each pace basically. So that really helped. And so we know that we weren't running to, to place. Um, yeah. and that so really helps me. Yeah. That, that helps a lot. Local. When I race locally, it's always, um, a challenge for me, I guess, to stick to a race plan because I just want to compete. And so, if like at that benefit classic, when I ran my previous PR, it, I went out 
faster than I should have because I was competing there with, you know, I just went out with whatever girl was in the lead and we ran together and that made the last four miles of the race very painful because I ran, I mean, even five seconds faster per mile at that point puts you into a a hole (laughs) into some debt. And so at this race, I decided I wanted to go out at 630, 25 to, to 30 and negative split. And man, that felt so comfortable. I mean, I, for the first eight or so miles, I was holding back, holding back, holding so back. So to per- put this in perspective, I know when you ran the Madison half marathon, you had basically a 555 first mile. Downhill. And yes, it was downhill, <laughs> but, but yeah. still, I mean, yeah. uh, 555 first mile. Um, because you were competing, um, you were, I mean, competing of sorts in this race Mm -hmm. too, but you knew that, I mean, we talked about, Hey, this is, we're going to go for a PR negative split is going to be, uh, the best bet for that. So start off, you know, more on the conservative side of it. And, um, that's what you did. Yeah. A little before mile nine, I saw a couple of girls up ahead and I was feeling really good. And I, so I just started to clip them off. I passed one and then I passed another and then I just kept, I mean, I was probably running between 617 and 620 for the last four four miles, and I was passing people, and I felt like I could go faster, but my legs just wouldn't turn over any faster because I haven't worked that system enough. But I felt really, really good, and I was finishing stronger than I ever had, and there wasn't any suffer involved, which is not normally the case for me, so it's a really exciting feeling. Yeah. And I'd say as your coach, like the things that made me really think that you could do that are one, that workout that we talked about where you basically ran the 5k PR and, uh, two, the course was a lot better the net downhill course mm-hmm. for this one versus a hilly one yep. for, um, the benefit classic or the Madison half marathon for the Madison half marathon. You ran that after the Chicago marathon. So you had some fatigue coming fatigue. in from that too. Yeah. And the temperatures were were hotter in in both of those races. And this was basically perfect conditions. So, you know, I think it's important to look when you're coming up with a race plan. Well, what what are the benefits? Yeah, your training might not have been perfect or maybe it had been perfect. I mean, if it had been really, really good, get confidence in, in that your training had been really good. And when you get to the race, your training is done and all you have to focus on is the task at hand and you know, what the weather is and how to prepare that way. Yeah. There's so many things that are out of your control. Once you get to the race, like Ben said, you have what you have with you. And so the rest of it comes from your head and your heart and the way that you focus and your attitude really about it and your perspective. We read a book called How Bad Do You Want It? by Matt Fitzgerald. Uh, We read it on the flight on the way down to South Carolina. And for me, there were a couple of examples in the book that were really inspiring because they were examples of athletes who didn't think that they were ready for the race that they were about to do. One was a marathon, one was a half marathon, and they didn't put in the training or they got sick or something. And they had all of these um, odds stacked against them and they were still able to perform beyond what they thought was possible, beyond what others thought was possible. So you completed the race, you got to PR by... 20, 20, seconds. 20 seconds got second masters um overall 17th female 14. i think uh, yeah some of that i mean it's yeah, I it 
you know, I think the important thing is that you you came away from the race, and how did how did the foot feel afterwards? Better than it did after a, a workout earlier in the week. It was really great. The next day, you did a little of the bike at the I hotel. Elliptic, I did some elliptical, and I lifted upper body weights um, the next day. And did I? I think you, I ran the next day. Yeah, then it? you did an easy run the next uh-huh. day. Um, and how now we're. Um, a week and or eight days, nine days yeah, out. Yeah. Um, how do you, how does it feel now? Really good. Yeah. And so basically you've kind of just gotten back to that same routine that you were doing before. But I think from here, what, what would do, even though you have a race this weekend, um, in AK, um, after that, probably as long as things feel good, we'll start, um, starting to add more of the mileage in, you know, I think the bike is really going to be a tool that we're going to utilize, mm-hmm. maybe not the water running, um, as much. I think we found out a lot of good things with just trying these things and hope, hope you guys can find some insight into this as well. If you're experiencing any niggles or injuries, um, definitely seek out professional advice and the advice of others as well. Um, there's, there's a lot of people, I mean, a lot of runners go through plantar fasciitis, um, a lot of coaches know about it. So reach out to people. Three running injuries, iliotibial band syndrome. IT band. Fasciitis, IT band syndrome, plantar fasciitis, and I think patellar tendonitis are the top three. And Achilles, you know, like a lot of those, a lot of those things are common for many runners. And um, it doesn't mean you have to stop completely, but get some advice. And it doesn't mean to just completely keep doing the tr- same training that you're doing. Yeah. It'll take some modification. So Jess, congrats on the race. I think it's a great time to let people know what races are like right now. We've done a handful of races stemming back from last summer. Mm-hmm. We did a 5K track race in Wisconsin. Um, we did a 5K road race, 10K, 10K road race. Uh, those were kind of small town ones. Yep. I mean, the, the track race was in outside of Milwaukee, so that was a big city. Then the half marathon trail championships up in Wisconsin, you know, they had multiple waves and they were there were flags on the ground six feet apart and you started with your mask on and then you took it with you and if you were close to people you were expected to put your mask back on and then you know take it off when you're away from people and then put it back on when you're finishing and that was how the the marathon was in moab and Mm -hmm. did the trail uh, championships then in moab after that yeah and then this was the next race that we did um which is kind of the the biggest one from a participant aspect in a in a big city too so i think that's promising and i think in looking for races that will be successfully completed i mean we never know if a race is going to actually happen but in my personal experience what i've found is make sure that the race has a covid plan in place you know make sure that they've talked to local officials um either locally or at the state level to try and make sure that they are actually going to be able to to have the event. I think you have to look at the size of the event as well to give you some insight on whether it's going to happen or not. I mean, you kind of mentioned Boston, um, Chicago. These are, Mm. these are very big events uh, with a lot of people, both from the United States, but also internationally as well. And so when you bring a lot of people together in a short area, plus there's going to be fans spectators along the course you really got to take that into consideration and i'm glad that those are all scheduled for the fall but still 
remains to be seen whether they're going to actually take mm-hmm. place or not. But I think if you look for smaller town races, we've had a lot of success with yeah. those going on. Really, the trail races of the two USATF championships that took place i think two of them were the trail championships that we went to because they're able to start people in waves keep them you know distance um apart and there weren't a lot of participants necessarily so that all made for uh successful events yeah it's positive though looking at the grand prix the masters grand prix for um the usatf championships they're there's they have a full schedule um that is planning on happening so hopefully that continues yeah, I definitely think, I mean, races are an industry and they want to, they want to get going just like any yep. other business. Mm-hmm. Um, they help with the cities that um, are hosting them as well. I mean, it's, yeah. it's tourism. They all want to get going, but you know, they all want to do it safely as well. Um, and we hope everybody is, is super safe about it. If you have any questions, let us know. I mean, we've gone to do a a handful of races and have traveled during COVID, um, but we try to do it as safely as possible. We want everybody to be safe and be comfortable with going to compete when they feel like it. So now that races are looking like they're starting to happen again and the weather is getting nicer, it's time to really think about ramping up your training and or get started if you haven't been doing um, any training If you have any questions on how to build or what direction to go, we would love to help you. If you have had something that has been bugging you, remember that you don't have to throw in the towel completely. There are things that you can do to cross train that can continue to keep your fitness or even to build it. And I heard an elite one time say that if she completes a marathon build or a training block, and she had three niggles come up, she still considers that a successful build because that just happens as we are putting in work. Thanks for listening. Uh, You can check us out at crownrunning.com. Remember to enjoy your journey and get running for your crown.